Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. <laughs> Tell us what's the vibe. Uh-huh. What's the vibe? There's some damsels in the DM. Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs, yeah, we see them. Yeah, we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Lauren. I'm Osh. I'm Alejandro. How are you both? I am fantastic. I'm in Chicago with the family that's visiting from London and Florida and all over the place. I spent Christmas or the holidays with them over here. How are you guys? How are your holidays? It's been super chill, very filling, lots of food, which I'm thankful for. Nice. Yeah, just wishing relatives and friends that I haven't been able to see in person much safety during this time. But how about you, Lauren? They were good, just really quiet. I feel like I watched every movie that's like come out this year. I think I watched over 10 movies. Brian had COVID, so didn't get to see him, haven't seen him. I think this is the longest time we haven't seen each other since being bi-coastal. So yeah, but you know, it's just a crazy time with everything happening in the world. So honestly, just thankful for my health and safety. Definitely. Yeah. My, I had COVID and my isolation period ended the day before my flight was booked for Chicago. Oh my God, you and were so lucky. I, it cut, I cut it so close and thank God my PCR tests were negative because then I would have been really sad just staying in LA by myself in my apartment, isolated for COVID. I mean, that for Christmas. So sad, yeah. Well, we have been getting a bunch of letters and questions around relationship OCD. I've been seeing a lot of memes and videos around it um, like on Instagram and on TikTok. So we wanted to talk about it a little bit. I want to preface this with OCD is something that should be diagnosed by a doctor. It's not just something that you should self-diagnose yourself with. And relationship OCD is part of it. And I want to distinguish that also because I feel like on Instagram and stuff, sometimes people talk about these things and it makes it come off like you could have it, anybody could have it. And of course, anybody can have it, but it, it should still be something you discuss with a therapist, a psychologist, a doctor. But we had a really interesting article come our way by Nicholas Farrell, and he is an OCD expert. And I want to read the beginning passage of it just so we have a clear explanation of what we're going to be talking about today. And there's no questions on what relationship OCD is. So Relationship Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, ROCD, is an OCD subtype that is characterized by ongoing intrusive thoughts and compulsive behavior around uncertainty of a relationship. People with ROCD experience frequent doubting thoughts about one or more relationships. Example, am I truly in love with my partner in spite of little evidence supporting the need for these doubts? The doubting thoughts are often viewed as an indication that the relationship may be ingenuine or flawed in some way, which fuels anxiety about the relationship and drives 
sufferers to engage in various compulsions aimed at on at gaining certainty about their relationship status. Example, asking for continuous reinsurance from a friend. And then I want to go to one of the examples that they give. So this can be done directly by asking, do you think my relationship is working? Or perhaps more subtly, you might ask someone, how did you know you met the right person? Rather than asking out of pure curiosity, this question is an attempt to quell anxiety about whether you are with the right person. So team, what do you think about all this? And have you ever experienced this in your own relationships? So for me, I don't, I'm not going to diagnose it as relationship OCD because I'm not sure if it is. Um, it could just be anxiety, but I am definitely very insecure about, or I have been very insecure in the past about my relationships and have doubted a lot of the relationships and have questioned everything. Um, for example, even when, so two instances, one was when I was actually in a good relationship and everything was going very smoothly. I kept trying to sabotage the relationship in my head by questioning am, am I like are we good together uh, exactly what we said are we good together is this person you know like my is someone who's gonna like fit in with my family all of the answers were yes like this per person is perfect like in the bigger scheme of things but I would qu constantly question it and talk to my friends about it which I know was annoying for them and then the other one was with the toxic relationship I was questioning a lot of the stuff too, but then I had the opposite thing where I was answering, like, if I was like, is, is this person the right person for me? I'd be like, mm, yeah, yeah, he is. And it'd be the opposite, which is so weird. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like it is that way though. Like, it's almost like you're self-sabotaging yourself when something is a good relationship and when it's a bad relationship is when you're allowing yourself to be in it. Yeah. It almost, yeah, it reminds me of like imposter syndrome too. Like some of the questions that are in this article really reflect like that sort of mindset, which can be problematic because, I mean, if you're not kind of owning the the goodness that you're bringing to a relationship, then you're going to have, or one may have questions that kind of like are exacerbated by this anxiety or relationship OCD. But I'd say from my experience, I think... My OCD is kind of exhibited in a way where I'm always asking like, am I doing enough? Or am I, am I you know, listening enough? Am I, am I um, doing X, Y, Z enough? Or am I, you know, just very, it's less of like, well, yeah, less of what the other person is doing and more of self-awareness analysis, if that makes sense. Like yeah. constantly checking in on like what I could do better. I think that's the part where I'm like super like OCD about and trying to always improve upon, which may be annoying for the other person. <laughs> with my boyfriend, where it's just like maybe I don't need to be, you know, on like, you know, oh, I need to be doing this or that X, Y, Z. It's like I could chill out. I think in that part, like, it's probably where my experience lies in this relationship OCD discussion. Well, yeah, I think my OCD would be internalized thoughts i mean i would be the only one like well not the only one but like these thoughts would constantly be going like on. you wouldn't be asking your partner to reassure you or like a friend to reassure you about things like that oh no oh my god i would drive other people crazy <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah i completely agree alejandro also i have never been diagnosed with ocd but i definitely feel like i have it i have this thing where like 
I have trouble leaving a room if things are out of place. And sometimes I need to walk around the room multiple times to make sure everything is in place. And I notice like if a space is really messy or if somebody has like too many things in their space, it can really affect my well-being. And it's really hard for me to focus. Like I really need clean spaces. I also notice this is weird, but natural lighting really affects um, how much work I'm able to get done. But like it impacts me to the point where I'll be late to things because I'm spending so much time trying to um, make sure everything in the room looks good. And especially when I'm anxious about something else, I was telling these two, I'm anxious right now. (laughs) And uh, I was having trouble exiting a room because I kept looking at things. It's like a way that my anxiety manifests. And I think, especially in my relationship with Brian, I experienced this in the beginning because I would say my relationship with Brian was my first really healthy relationship. And in other relationships, I definitely did this. Like I definitely would go to other people and ask them like, do you think so-and-so likes me? Do you think Mm -hmm. that um, like they're going to be my person? Do you think they want to marry me? Especially over breakups. I asked a million questions. Like, do you think they want to get back together with me? Blah, blah, blah. And I was super annoying. What was interesting was that I remember asking my friend Juliana, who Ash and Alejandro know, um, if she thought that Brian liked me, like right when we had first started dating and he had consulted her right before on a Christmas gift. So she had known that he liked me and that he wanted to be with me. So she was reassuring me, but it was like, so even though this person was doing everything to indicate that they liked me, it was still something that I was having trouble seeing. Yeah. I feel that because I, I get the same way. I always doubt back to, you know, being with a good person. I always doubt if they like me, even though they'll show me in a billion ways that they like me, I will always doubt it. And then when it's a very toxic person with an avoidant personality, I'll doubt it, but I will like calm myself down over it. Mm. And I'll like convince myself that they do like me. And then I'll pick like the littlest things that they do. Like maybe they give me a forehead kiss. I'm like, oh yeah, that, they like me. Like, yes, like, you know, all my worries are over. Like, well, I was worrying for nothing. Or yeah, oh my gosh, he finally texted me after two days. He does like me because he's thinking about me. Like, what? (laughs) I like that what you're describing is like totally building on what you had said in a previous episode about being super cutthroat whenever like red flags come up. Uh, And I think that's such a good example to live by because, you know, after like what you're just describing. Yeah scenarios it's like well you can only put up with so much after so long it's like nah not really like you could do it you can keep going I mean you could keep going you know with these red flags and just choose to ignore them for the rest of your life but it it does get tiring after a while and it gets exhausting and it's just um that constant worry about if they like you or not that is just not something that I want anymore you know like I, I do want someone to be like hey I like you there's nothing to worry about you're good don't worry about anything. Like I got you. That's all I need to know. And then I'll be fine. I think there is something to be said about like when you're in a relationship with someone, if that person brings peace rather than like, you know, waves, like tsunami, like that says a lot about where the relationship can go and how the two of you can make progress both within yourselves and with each other. 
I especially think in today's society, we're always striving to be the best or like to be better versions of ourselves. And we're comparing, constantly comparing ourselves on social media to other people that I think it makes us anxious about our relationships, even if otherwise you would be comfortable in your relationship, because you're always seeing other people and seeing other people's circumstances and wondering like, do they have a better than me? Like, could I be doing better? Because we're always asking ourselves, like, could we be doing better? And see, that's the problem with social media, because a lot of people like just show an amazing, happy relationship. Yeah. And um, a lot of people choose to believe that that's what their relationship is probably like. And obviously, we're not going to put our breakups and our fights and every little thing that goes wrong in a relationship on social media. So it's just it's such a little con system that social media just shows like, you know. But on the other side of that, there are helpful there are helpful instances of social media content being useful. I mean, like, for example, we've had some relationship therapists, um, a a wide range of experts on dating and relationships, et cetera, where there are questions that are posed not to like incite anxiety, but to help us process, you know, where we're at, where, where our partner is at, where the relationship might be. But you know, I, I think that, you know, distinguishing like that or p- placing those um, types of content in into context of our daily lives, rather than like putting it like so close to heart. I think that like is a really helpful way to kind of navigate what is available on social media. Because I agree, sometimes it can be overwhelming when uh, we see something uh, like, you know, travel dating couples or whatever, like yeah. <laughs> going on these beautiful excursions. And it's just like, well, damn, like. but I mean now we're in a different time but 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 you know when people are like oh when it's the right person you'll you'll know like you'll know when you're meant to marry them and like that sort of thing I don't know like I guess to some extent maybe but I think like I'm a kid from divorce right so I'm just like naturally going to be anxious about commitments like that and I don't know like I I feel like for me I'm always asking myself like questions about it. Like, you know, because that person makes you comfortable and they quell a lot of your anxiety, but at the same time, it's not their job to quell all of your anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like a hard, I don't know, like a difficult line to cross and to establish. How do you deal with your relationship anxiety with Brian? Like, how do you do you talk about it? It's like the same question that I asked Alejandro. Like, do you talk about it? Is it or is it internalized and you just kind of go to your friends for these anxieties? I think I had relationship anxiety with Brian in the very beginning. Like, is this the right person? Am I making the right decision? And I think I did go to friends like in the very beginning. But then I think I hit a point where I realized how much Brian enhances my life and makes me a better person. And I also realized that Brian is the best man that I know by far and like how amazing to say that you get to be with the best person that you know and I think when I was able to say that to myself like any anxieties that I had about it didn't feel valid anymore because you can't say in the same sentence like I'm not going to marry the best person I know or I'm not going to be with the best person I know and like is this the right relationship for me like those two things like can't coincide and they both can't be true Um, or if they can both be true, 
it's a really hard pill to swallow, right? And then are you making a decision that's good for your well-being if you don't want to be with somebody who you think is good in all aspects? So I think, yeah, that was one way. And then I think now it wouldn't be as like relationship anxiety, but we've talked about this before, like meditation, morning pages, exercise, like are just how I deal with generalized anxiety. But I also think like if I didn't have Brian as a support system, it would be really hard for me to manage anxiety in general. One of the things that I think is a scary line with relationship relationship OCD is how do you analyze whether the feelings that you're having are relationship OCD or are they actual red flags that you should be honoring? Because I think that's scary. Like if you are in a bad relationship. I don't want to put this episode out there. And then people are like, oh, I'm only concerned because I have relationship OCD. And then they're being cheated on, or then they're being verbally abused. Like that, that worries me. So how do you think that you noted the differences? With the help of a therapist, I mean, that's yeah. one immediate um, resource that I think we all can take advantage of independently, whether we choose to like participate in that with our partner or not. Um, I think yeah. they, they, I mean, those resources are there for a reason and they have the vocabulary that is gonna help us identify um, exactly what we're going through and how to sort through <laughs> symptoms that might cause um, certain anxieties and um, whether or not, you know, we should let certain things go because of, you know, xyz sort of perceptions that might need some addressing i think if you're in that position where you can't tell if it's relationship ocd or just this relationship is a toxic relationship and it's a red flag um i think that's when you do have to go either to a professional to help you distinguish between the two or go to someone who is um, got like an outside objective unbiased Mm -hmm. opinion of that person and kind of just tell them what the problems are and for them to kind of help you figure out if it's your OCD or if it's their red flags. Have you guys ever heard of inner parts therapy? No, what is that? Um, I've heard of inner child. Is that the same thing? It's a little similar, but um, did you guys watch the movie Inside Out? Yes. The Disney Pixar movie? So it's basically like that movie is explaining inner parts therapy, but it's basically like thinking about yourself and the different parts of you, like as parts. So you are not an anxious person, person, but you have an anxious part. You are not a depressed person, but you have a depressed part. And you think about them as like all these little different people inside of you. So you have a happy part. You have a inquisitive part. You have a curious part. And there's all these different people here, right? And then- When you feel a sort of emotion, you can say to yourself like, oh, this guy is up a lot right now. Why, why are you here so much? And for me, like I doing inner parts therapy, I got good at noticing when I have a legitimate concern and when I have an anxious thought. And when you can make that distinguish, like distinguish between anxiety and distinguish between having a real concern, I think that really makes all the difference. Like for me, when I feel anxious, I feel it in my chest and it feels hard to like deep, deeply breathe. And I can just feel like I'm not speaking out of a grounded place. I'm speaking out of an anxious place. Um, And when I know that my thoughts are coming from an anxious place, then I can't think about those thoughts. I can't address those thoughts until I'm thinking about them through a grounded place. 
So if you are in this position where you're wondering about your relationship, I would try to look into inner parts therapy and think about like, am I asking these questions from an anxious place or am I is my concerned part up and I'm worried about my safety, my well-being, my mental health? And if you can see that that part is up, then I think that's when you start to question the relationship. I remember from inside out how they had like the happy person and then the depressed or the sad person. And now I'm going to do exactly that because when I do have these like anxious thoughts or concerning thoughts, I'm going to go back into that and see which place it's coming from and then analyze it that way. Because it is really hard to tell the difference. And it's so good because then it doesn't make you feel a certain way. Like you are not your anxiety and you are not your depression. They're just parts of you and things that you experience, but you are so much more than those parts of you that you're experiencing. And for me, like not labeling myself as an anxious person, but knowing that I have an anxious part makes me feel better. I think about who I am. Totally. And I think that a level of assessment helps identify like the degree of severity uh, and it helps you understand who you need to address this issue with like whether it's as serious as like you know doing a one-on-one with a therapist or whether it's something that you can and should address with your partner or whether it's something that you can like you know just share with a friend or a close one and seek counsel on yes Uh, because yeah I think that you definitely want to like yeah, go through those um, steps before like going to the wrong person and like just divulging who knows how much information and right. really it's it, meant, it might be meant for another party. I want to get into today's letter today because it is a longer one than we usually get. So we have Dear Damsels, so I have a weird humiliation kink and I secretly love dressing up like a little bitch. I pay for my ex-girlfriends to come up with new ways to humiliate me. And the latest idea was going on Omegle dressed in a slutty Halloween costumes, holding signs saying I'm a cheating fuckboy, which ensures that all the women I see online will have zero sympathy for me and enjoy my embarrassing ordeal. I just am having trouble navigating my dating life with this weird kink. The first girlfriend I told about this ended up cheating on me multiple times. Now, I get super into my head when I go on dates. They usually start out great, but then I become kind of closed off emotionally because I plan for a disastrous outcome. I usually break things off so I don't have to tell them my embarrassing secret. I also keep all my dress-up things in a closet near my bed. Parentheses, I have two closets, close parentheses. And I get super paranoid when a girl is over because she'll snoop around and find this closet full of high heels and slutty Halloween costume. But at this point, I almost plan on just dying alone, LOL. I'm so different on my day-to-day life, and I know my kink is super out there, so I also understand why women don't want a boyfriend who dolls himself up like a total bimbo and loves to be humiliated. How do I get over this if I actually want to be in a relationship with someone? Sincerely, harboring my hidden identity. Well, well, that's really sad. I don't want you to, you know, think of um, yourself as just planning on dying alone because that is really sad and I don't want you to do that. And, you know, everyone has their thing. So 
you know, who am I to judge anything? But, you know, if you have that kink that you just cannot let go of, then you will find someone out there. Like this world is full of like, I don't know how many billion people, 7 billion people in this world. You will find one person, more than one person that's going to be totally okay with it. And um, will accept you for who you are and what you're into. I think you should just, you know, keep trying. And if you're on the dating apps, um, to avoid, you know, just completely shocking someone or surprising someone, maybe just have it in your bio on your dating apps. And that way you'll filter out people that you don't really want to be with because if they're not going to accept you for who, who you are and what you like, then obviously you don't want to be with that person. So it's going to help you filter out, you know, people that you want to date. Totally. And having a closet just for specific things doesn't mean that that secret has to stay within. I mean, it's uh, really important, just like you were saying, to be as honest as possible. And like, you know, if you feel comfortable, share it on the uh, bio info, because, you know, it is, you want to think about the other person too. You don't want to spring something on them that, you know, might take them a little bit of time to digest. But on the other, it's like, there are certain sides of ourselves that we should be uh, celebrating and on Mm -hmm. such a, you know, portal as dating apps go, like, you know, that sort of visibility is probably appreciated among the people who are flipping through uh, profiles. But yeah, I've, uh, that is really sad of, you know, planning on just dying alone because, but at the same time, some people do appreciate their solitude uh, so yes. know, if that is, you know, what the, the path is going to include, then so be it, you know, do your damn thing alone and solo and be proud of however you like to get your kicks because ain't nothing wrong with dressing up. But um, yeah, I mean, as far as the humiliation part goes and dressing up, I, the, the, some of the vocabulary in this letter, I'm struck by, but Maybe, you know, I mean, maybe that is how this letter writer um, appreciates. The, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts, Lauren? <laughs> I think we spend too much time worrying about what other people are going to think about us for doing things that we like doing. Yeah. I respect yeah. you for knowing what you like. Um, I think so many of us only do what's productive or what needs to be done. And we don't often ask ourselves, like, what do I really like to be doing? Like, what makes me feel like an inner child? What makes me happy? Like, I really like singing. How often do I make time to go singing? I really like to swim, but do I ever go swimming? No. So I think the fact that you know what you like is something that you should be proud of and not something that you need to worry about concealing. Mm -hmm. I think that if this is what you know that you enjoy doing, then you should be forthcoming about it. Like Alejandro said, Um, I think that you can find somebody who's totally okay with this. And I think you could find somebody who enjoys it and wants to play around with it. As Alejandro said, some of the wording, like the humiliation bit, I would just want to make sure that that's not coming from a place of past trauma. Um, That's something that I would want to address like with a therapist. Like, are you doing this because somebody made you feel humiliated as a child? And this is like a way to ease that trigger. I don't know. And I don't want to assume, but I would just make sure that 
when you're doing this, you feel good about yourself and you feel happy with yourself and you're doing it because it's fun for you. Because if you can say yes to all of those questions, then yes, do it. And it's safe for you and the people you're around. Great. But if something in it makes you not feel good about yourself, then I think that's a question mark for me. And I think that's something that you should talk with a professional about. I also wonder if it would be worth it for you to try going to drag shows with other people who like dressing up because I also think that we limit drag to thinking that it's just going to be gay men dressing up like there could be straight men dressing up I think that that's you know totally fine if that's what you want to be doing I don't know Alejandro you might know better than I do if there are straight men um who do drag but I actually think there is a straight contestant on an upcoming season for RuPaul's Drag Race great I'm yeah, sure or another country, but I, I believe that is in the works or coming soon. <laughs> and maybe that would be a way for you to express this side without having to feel humiliated. But if it's the humiliation aspect that you like, then great. I'm not going to um, yuck anybody's yum. Uh, so I think just like, you know, check in on yourself. I think that even if you don't meet anybody at the drag thing, like just making friends who like doing what you like doing might make you feel a little bit better about doing this and might make it feel a little bit more accepted and a little bit more okay, which might make you feel more comfortable sharing this with a partner. Yeah, I think I want to go back to, there was something that wasn't the, I want to go back to, he says, the first girlfriend I told about this ended up cheating on me multiple times. Piggybacking on what Lauren and Ash have already talked about, this is one of those, this is a thing where like, it's a part of yourself that you can explore and should be able to celebrate openly. And the fact that this other person cheated on you like several times is not an indication of anything wrong with this kink that, or if you decide to call it a kink, I think it's just more of a reflection on that person. So, you know, being able to um, be aware that like these interests, that I don't, I don't think that had anything to do with your truth that you decided to share with that person. I think it was just more of a reflection on them. I agree with you. Cheating is always a reflection of the other person. Doesn't say anything yeah. about you. So I don't think that you should let that affect your future happiness. I think just treat it as a learning experience. And I think that because you're insecure about this kink, that you're applying it to all of your future relationships and also applying it to why that person cheated on you. What about the relationship besides this whole thing um, was going on that could have been other reasons um, that the relationship wasn't working out that may have nothing to do with the kink? I think if you can separate that relationship from doing this thing that you like doing, that will also make you more comfortable going forward and talking about it with future partners. Because you're writing to us, so that makes me think that you don't want to end up alone. It does seem like you do want to be with someone and find your person um, or just, you know, someone to be with because you say that you end up just sabotaging your relationships of fear um, that they're going to, you know, break things off if they, you tell them your embarrassing secret. So I think instead of sabotaging these future relationships, honesty is the best policy. Have it out there, you know, like, hey, guys, disclaimer, like, this is what I'm into. If you're not into that question, just to cool. clarify, you would put this on an app. I've never been yeah. on an app, so I don't know. Yeah, I I would appreciate the honesty, you know, um, or uh, maybe on the first date, just let them know, you know, or, or when you're texting, um, 
and getting to know them. I think this is something that you should be telling your partner early on um, just to avoid that, avoid, first of all, sabotaging the relationship because you plan on dying alone or you plan on this part, this person not accepting you for who you are. I think it's just better to be open about it. I would just worry about putting it on the app that you might get people who are shaming you for doing this. That's true also. Yeah, they could always be judging the book by the cover and not taking that opportunity opportunity to get to know you. Like for um, me, a second date would be okay. I agree. Yeah, I was thinking like, you know, the top or bottom discussion that could happen like on a first date. I don't know. It's like something that doesn't have to come up on the first uh, opportunity that, you know, you are face to face. But I think... If it casually comes up, then like, why not just go there? And, you know, if you feel so inclined to bring it up on the first date, then more power to you. But I don't think it's like something that is like a checklist, like boom, boom, yeah. boom, happen. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 12 minutes of meeting, that sort of preferential discussion or discussion about preferences. I mean, that's a very personal thing too. So you think you want to- That's true. They, it's like a dance on eggshells. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, what if you can't have kids or something? Like, are you gonna tell the person that on the first date? Like, that's a more game changing thing. <laughs> yeah, that's this. true. Like, you guys could work through this, get over this, or like enjoy this. But like, not having kids affects like what you want in your future more. Um, and if you're not gonna say that on a first date, then I don't think you need to say this on a first date either. Totally, 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 totally. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Um, Please write us your letters. Please rate and review us on Apple. And now Spotify is allowing reviews. That really helps us get more listeners and we would be eternally grateful. Yes, yes. We are waiting to read and help and advise however we can. I mean, that's why we're here. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Until next time. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Bye. DMs, DMs, we don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.